Hello and welcome to episode 10 of Bushby and Thompson's Wrestling Adventure on postwrestling.com. And I'm Martin Bushby and joining me, as always, the main man himself, Andrew Thompson. How are you this month, my friend? My man, Martin. It's it's always a pleasure talking to you, my brother. Uh, We were just talking off air for a little bit. It's always a good time catching up with you, you know, sharing the funny tweets through, through, uh, through Twitter. Uh, it's, 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 it's always good talking to you, my man. It's always good hearing from you. Uh, I, I know you recently came off a trip, uh, went, went to a concert, first time in a long time. Uh, the, everything seemed like it went smooth. That's, go ahead and tell the people about it, man. Oh, yeah, I went to the uh, Download Music Festival over here in the UK. It was sort of like part of a government research program. The festival is usually held every year and usually have about 90,000 people there. But um, mm-hmm. it was like they were using testing data from the festival closely to, you know, it was capped at 10,000 people. Tons of great bands all from the UK, obviously, no flying this year. And you had to show a negative test when you went in and were advised to stay sort of in the area of the festival. Otherwise, you'd have to get tested again. And oh, it was absolutely fantastic. So good getting back to live music and just everyone was in a good mood. Everyone was having a great time, you know, lots of alcohol was consumed. Lots of other other things were consumed. Just a a fantastic time. Um, It's funny because um, Waiting sent me one of those uh, new post wrestling dad hats, as they're called. And uh, (laughs) yeah, so I I wore it the whole weekend and um, I was even coming out of the toilet queue and some guy was like, yeah, post wrestling. Great. Didn't get a chance to speak to him. But yeah, that was um, that was good. Post wrestling got a shout out at that, but yeah, absolutely amazing. Just can't wait for uh, live music to just open up full time. What about you? What's been going on in, in your neck of the woods? I know you usually tell me that, you know, everyone's still going out clubbing and things like that. And nobody really, <laughs> nobody really cares. Yeah, it's, it's, it's like, it, I, I guess I, I, I can't, well, I'm, I'm going to say in certain areas of the U.S. it's like that. Like I would say like most of the hot spots like Atlanta, of course, the, uh, the, the forbidden Florida. As, as, as some people call it, well, as I call it, the forbidden Florida, where, where anything goes in Florida. But yeah, it's certain areas of the U.S. like, you know, they, they pick right back up, you know, two months uh, into the pandemic. And, you know, it, it seems like more people are, are like, you know, t- taking it seriously, I guess. And but, it, you know, I, I, I just have the mindset, like, especially at this point, people are going to do what they do. Like, you can't you can't even try to control nobody no more. Like, as, as long as people doing what they got to do well, as long as I do what I got to do you know stay safe and take care of yourself and get the shots and all that good stuff then you know everything should be should be should be smooth hopefully, hopefully. yeah have you, had hope. your, have you had your first vaccine yet then I got my first I'm going to my second good that's good yep. to know definitely um so I was going to ask you before we sort of like get into the wrestling side of it obviously big NBA fans both of us I've, I've got to say I've been a bit of a fair weather fan this past season but yeah NBA playoffs are in like Man. full swing I mean I've been a bit surprised I don't know if I should have been surprised uh Phoenix Suns doing doing really really well bro this is the best outcome I think for the playoffs this year like especially seeing the the young like you're like we're literally seeing like the next like young group of stars like uprising like they're coming up and I really like that like and and like you still like the LeBrons and the ADs and the Harns and KDs and Kyrie and you know the 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 superstars of that that you know that we've seen for the last 10 10 years or so the the Curry's Steph Curry's um they're they're still here but like what I really like is like we're seeing like who's going to be running the league for the next five to 10 years. I, I like really like that. Like you see Jason Tatum uh, balled out throughout the whole season in the playoffs, Devin Booker 
uh, Trey Young, you, you know, like it, we, we like literally seeing like the next, next group of stars. I, I think that's like the best, the best thing. And it just goes to show you like the league is, the, the, like the league is starting to make that transition. Like this, this legit always happens. Like, I don't think we ever realize it, but it always happens. Like you realize that next 10, maybe f- five to 10 elite players are like starting to take the, the spots of the players who mm-hmm. formerly held those positions. Like we, we don't even realize it, but it's like literally happening before our eyes. And he's going to be the team that's going to be going to the NBA finals for the next six or seven years. So I, I think that's cool as hell. Yeah, it's crazy because Phoenix have always been sort of like those nearly teams, aren't they? You know, obviously had Steve Nash and all that and, um, you know, never quite made it to the promised land. But it seems they're, um, yeah, and especially Devin Booker, did he only get drafted like last season as well? I, th- I think he had drafted a couple years ago. Right. I think so. Because he, he came out of Kentucky. I think mm. he went to Devin Booker. I think he went to Kentucky. I think so. Because I think he went to the same. The only reason I remember that is I think he went to the same school as uh, DeMarcus Cousins, I think. And that, that's why I'm like remembering that. But yeah, he Devin Booker is like 20, 24, 23. Right. Something like that. Yeah, he 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 balling. And, and especially, I'm really surprised at like how well they're doing, mm. like without um Chris Paul. Like yeah. I'm, I'm like very surprised. Like I thought Chris Paul was gonna be like the, like yeah, I, I thought him getting hurt was gonna be the thing that was gonna get them swept out of the playoffs. To be honest, because of like just how much he controls the team and like controls the floor. So it was like it, it's cool to see like how like you know sturdy they are without him. And I only imagine how good they're gonna be when he come back. And like by, by the looks of it, you know, I, I don't know if I, I wouldn't go as far as say they would sweep the Clippers, but. The, the way it's looking, it, it looked like they, they they might could pull it off. And then if you could get Chris Paul back for the NBA Finals, uh, man, it, 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 might, it might be the Suns year, man. It I might know, be. yeah. Especially Chris Paul, what a way to finish his career off because he's, like, so he's never won a championship, has yep. he? Yeah, he, he, so. he, he hasn't won one. And it'll be, like you, like you just said, that'd be like the perfect way to cap off, tap off his career or let's say put the final bow on his on his career. Mm-hmm. I, I feel like Paul George, like he, I, I think he has really done a good job of like leading the Clippers since Kawhi Leonard has been hurt. Like I, I know people like it, it's funny to clown Paul George. Like I, I laugh at some of the tweets people like they call him Pandemic P. You know what I'm saying? Like it's, <laughs> it's like it, you know you know it, it's fun. I laugh at the jokes. I'm not gonna say a lie. Say I don't. But like I, I think he really has done like a really great job of like leading the Clippers post Kawhi until mm-hmm. he can get back. Like but it's only so much he can do. Like I I, I feel like at the end of this season or at the end of next season, one of them going to have to end up leaving. Cause I don't feel like, I feel like they're too Kawhi and Paul George. They're way too similar to one another. So mm. like in, in certain ways, so it really offsets when they're on the floor together. And it's, I, I just don't feel, I, I feel like they're, they're a good pair, but they just, it, it's just something about them that, that doesn't click. And I feel like Paul George is a superstar in his own right. And so is Kawhi, of course, like I, I, I still, I, excuse me. I, I still don't know why Kawhi left Toronto. That, that confuses me. Every time I see him on the court, that he had the, the ready-made team mm-hmm. in the country, and a, and a country that was ready to give him everything that he could ever ask for. But you know, he made his choice. So uh, yeah, I think he thought it was too cold in Toronto, didn't he? I think that was always the big thing. <laughs> yeah, man, crazy <laughs> yeah. decision. I know. Yeah, we probably will be interesting to see relevant of who wins it. Like sort of like all the moving pieces that are going to be coming out of these playoffs. You know, especially with the Lakers going out in the first round and things like that. It'll be interesting to see like what moving pieces we're going to see over the summer. But I suppose just to wrap up the NBA talk, who can you see actually winning it then? Do you think Phoenix are going to go all the way? Yeah, bro. I I, I think Phoenix got it. Like I, for, for, for the East, I, I think, I think Milwaukee is going, 
I think they're gonna beat uh the Hawks. Like I like the Hawks. I really do. I feel like they got a lot like potential, but I just mm-hmm. don't think that I I think they can't keep up with, with Milwaukee. Milwaukee is like a really solid team. Like yeah. especially especially because you look at who the um who who the Hawks got, like that, that's gonna be a problem because I don't think they have the size to compete with you know because Giannis can play one through five so that's that I think that was kind of an issue with with Brooklyn and I you know on top of Kyrie and Harden being hurt of course but like they got this the the Bucks got the size advantage and then you know you got a player like Giannis who can play one through five essentially or two through five or three through five like he can he he can do a lot so especially you know counting the fact that he's damn near seven feet tall and probably mm-hmm. taller than the the biggest dude that you got on your team it's yeah. hard to really contain them, so I, I don't. I don't think Atlanta gonna have uh, much of a shot. I say they win one game. They probably lose four to one, and then it's gonna be the Bucks and the Suns in the finals. And I think if Chris Paul is there, like, but you 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 can't count. You can't sleep on the Bucks either. So you know what? I'm, I'm gonna go. I think I think the Milwaukee Bucks is gonna win the NBA championship this year. They're gonna beat Phoenix four to four to two. Wow, well, yeah, they don't call him the Greek freak for nothing, do they? But, yeah, there you go. Andrew's uh, prediction, uh, the Milwaukee <laughs> Bucks, there you go. <laughs> Any betting people out there? There you're odds from Andrew. Um, something else I wanted to ask you about, so I was obviously reading your news reports every week and things like that, and I don't know if it's you, your news reports, or John. I was Because we've not really talked about it on this show or anything, but there seems to be this sort of, like, big wave now of these sort of, like, quote-unquote, Freak fights, you know, this thriller stuff. We've got Vita Belfort against Oscar <laughs> De La Hoya. You know, the Paul brothers have been all over this stuff. I just, obviously, you cover a lot of this stuff in the news and things like that. I just wanted to know, is it, do, do you check these pay-per-views out? Is this the sort of stuff you'll be watching sort of like when uh, we get Belfort against De La Hoya? I, I, I keep up with, like, most of the stuff through Twitter. Like, I, I, like I primarily see, like, um, like, I see John covering it, like, in the MMA uh, or boxing slash slash boxing section of, of the news update on the site mm-hmm. and stuff. I, I checked some of the stuff out on Twitter, but like, just, just like even from the, um, the Mayweather, who was that Logan Paul fight? Like yeah. I, I saw, I, I saw a lot of people, like even when I was looking on Twitter, a lot of people were just like, it wasn't worth it. Like they were just dragging a fight. And I even saw a clip. It looked like Floyd knocked them out and then yeah. he, like held, he held them up. So like, I guess he, I guess the fight wouldn't end early. It was like, I'm, I, I mean, it, I, I can see why people like it, like why people like to tune in because it's entertaining. You got these celebrities. I seen Lamar Odom. I was like, what the oh yeah. <laughs> I was like, what is going on, bro? Like, and I, I say, I saw um, who else? Chad Ocho Cinco. I, I I don't I don't know what the hell going on anymore. And they I know they trying to get the um, bro. What is that? But have you have you seen these videos of, of this like of this little person? I think it, I, I can't I cannot remember his name. But he he was the one that like he was like a, a little person. He challenged like Conor McGregor or something like that. It was like a joke. But yeah, it's, right, it, yeah. it, it's, it's, it's this little dude that like he went viral on social media. He's like hilarious. I I genuinely wish like I knew how to uh I, I, what's his name? I can't I cannot find his name. I'm trying to think about it right now. But he he his name is like Has Hasby or Hasby or something like that. Hasby mm. Hasbula. And it, it's like a 20-year-old like like little person. And like it, it's hilarious, but if you if you haven't seen this dude's videos, like I oh, I'll have I, to check it out bro, for sure, I, bro. I highly recommend that that people go. So like the dude is like legitimately hilarious. But yeah, yeah. these these little thriller fight things, it's it, I mean it's it's entertaining. You can see why people like you know tuning mm. in. 
Oh yeah, definitely. I, it's, not, it's like same with you. Um, you know, it's not something I'm going to be buying on fight, but I'll nah. definitely check out <laughs> and stuff like that. Yeah, but these things do huge business, don't they? And it's just like it's crazy, especially like was it Lamar Odom against um, Aaron Carter or something like that? And like they had like and uh, Ice T doing like the <laughs> yeah. I mean, what? The, I mean, I've just fetched the open hand. That fight literally lasted five minutes. I mean. Lamar Odom must be like 10 times the size of like someone like an Aaron Carter. But, it's just crazy. There's so much <laughs> money being thrown around for these things. But the size difference between Lamar Odom and Aaron Carter was hilarious. Like, yeah, <laughs> like you, you, see, you, you see some of the clips on Twitter and you see how like Lamar Odom was just towering over this dude and like even some shots when they had Lamar, like when he was walking to towards Aaron and it was just all you could see was Lamar's back. Like he was like completely blocked Aaron out of the camera's view. Like it was hilarious, but I I, I think he knocked him out like uh, real quick, like you said. Oh yeah, can you imagine just one swing and he'd probably be out. But um, <laughs> yeah. Oh well, that's maybe a show we'll have to cover on here one time soon. One of these big thriller, <laughs> these big thriller events. It'd certainly be hilarious. We'd have to have a couple okay. of drinks before we did anything like that. So, but um, know, like Brutus Beefcake or somebody like that in a in a thriller fight. Or something. Yeah. Somebody. <laughs> One of the old wrestling legends. Yeah, that would be hilarious. But um, I suppose we should um, get on to what we're here to uh, talk about this month because uh, we're venturing back to 2002, almost 20 years ago, to look back at uh, SummerSlam 2002. And um, Andrew, was this the sort of like first year you really started watching wrestling? I mean, you must have some good memories of it about this time, sort of like first getting into wrestling and, and watching events like this because this was when WWE was still like um, really good in, in ring wise. <laughs> the, the, this was like, I, I would say I was watching wrestling like even a couple of years, but those are like, you, you you know, those like faded memories, I guess is the, the best way to describe them. Like, you know, like little small stuff that you, that I remember from like the attitude era, like I would watch on TV and like, it was just like small, like picture frame stuff that I can remember. Like, I guess that's a weird way to describe it, but like, I, yeah, but 2002 was like the time when I was like really getting into, you know, the thick of it. And, you know, like you said, I think this was, to 2002 2003 i feel like this was like wwe like it's best honestly in terms of the in-ring stuff and i guess you could say for for, for some some of the storyline product hmm. yeah so it was, it was an interesting year for like music and everything as well wasn't it because i mean M- M- i remember at the time eminem was absolutely everywhere this year i mean <laughs> we had eight miles a big hit lose yourself was all over the radio i mean and it wasn't just him. Um, Nelly seemed to be everywhere as well. That hot in here came out that year, and um, Di- dilemma that song he did with uh, Kelly Rowland, always on time. Jar Rule, he was all over the radio, and um, a song not unfamiliar to wrestling fans, "My Sacrifice" by Creed. They were all big hits. Um, what were you listening to as a um, as a young as a young lad um, in two thousand and two? I'm trying to think of some songs that came out in two thousand and two. Man, that was a. a... 2002 songs man i'm trying to think of some stuff like what what, 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 what was hot in well, 2002 i, I just like said I, yeah nelly was was all over the shop and eminem he was if he had he must have had about four or five singles out that year as well as um, eight mile coming out then and then nelly uh, you just mentioned how to hit because I, I was thinking about um the, the the movie head of state that came out the following year and mm-hmm. I, I know that that song was in there uh ja, ja rule and the ashanti they they had a couple songs in there. I remember my uh my aunt used to pick me up from school. She used to have that shit blasting in her car. Man. Like, <laughs> Christ and uh yeah, it, it was a bunch of a, a bunch of good songs that came out in in, in two thousand two. Man, I I just can't think of any like off the top of my head. But yeah, like, then um 
did then SmackDown shut your mouth come out in 2002 or was that 2003? It might have been. It might have been. It might have been 03. Mm. I know they had one every year, didn't they? Yeah. Uh, the SmackDown games. So yeah. it might have been shut your mouth or maybe no, your role came out in uh, 2002. But yeah, um, yeah, yeah, you're right. It, it came out October 2002. That that was one of my bro. That was like one of my favorite wrestling games growing up. I I still think that I got that same like that uh that game like somewhere in here. Like mm. I got like a like a little box of old stuff that I kept, and I I think I still had. That was like one of my favorite wrestling games growing up. Oh yeah, same here. I think I used to buy it all. all every year when it was the SmackDown ones, I kind of sort of like faded off when it started being um, SmackDown v Raw and things like that, and it got a bit samey, but yeah, those were like peak years for wrestling games. Um, yeah. I'm sure like a, a lot of people will attest to that, but um, I suppose moving away from games and uh, movies, we had uh, the first Spider-Man movie with Tobey Maguire, that was the mm-hmm. big number one hit of the year, I mean, that's, I mean, we've had like about five or six Spider-Man movies since then, um, second Harry Potter, Lord of the Rings, my Big fat Greek wedding, all in the top ten highest gross of the years. The Rock's first headlining movie, The Scorpion King, was out this year as well. Um, did you ever manage to see that one, Andrew? I remember I raced to the cinema to see it as like a huge Rock fan and being bored <laughs> to tears throughout it. I, I did like his little cameo in The Mummy Returns, but as far as his first headlining movie, and I thought, oh, this is another wrestler who's never going to make it in movies. How Jesus. wrong was I? <laughs> Tough crowd out here, man. Yeah. <laughs> But I, I, I've seen, I've never seen the Scorpion King in full. I've seen mm-hmm. it like, you know, clips and stuff of like, it, like in portions, like, you know, when you'll turn on like a TNT or, you know, a USA Network and you'll see, you know, the, they'll, they'll like play the movie at certain points before uh, wrestling shows and stuff like that. But I've never seen it like, in, you know, in this complete form. But like, it, it was a lot of like, like great movies that came out in 02. Like I know, I think Paid in Full come out in 02, uh, like Mike. You had Eight Mile that you mentioned, Mr. Uh, Eminem, who was all over the place in, in, in 2002. It was, it was it was a lot of like real good movies that came out of 02, man. It was a solid, like it, that, when I when I look at some of these, like uh, like whenever me and you go back and we cover some of these uh, throwback shows, it, it, it just made me think about like how like I, I like we had so much good stuff in like this one time period, and like mm. we did, we never realized it, but like now that we go back and realize it, it's crazy. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't released until 2003, but they were filming Head of State in 2002, which um, you got to talk to Jeff Jarrett about recently. Yeah, man. He's a, he's a cameo in that film. Bro, that that that, that is like one of the, that, that is the most, well, one of the elite highlights <laughs> of, my, <laughs> of, 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 my, of my young journalism career. I, I, I remember when I was um, doing like the research, like prep for the Jarrett interview, and I was just like, I, I was because he had because you know he he was doing like hella media to to promote the the Conrad podcast and I was like I, I know he probably got asked a whole bunch of questions that you know he probably got tired of asking mm-hmm. or even stuff that people might have already asked that haven't been asked before and I was like I'm trying to ask something that I I, I was trying to find something that I like I know 100 for a fact that nobody's ever asked him and I was going through his um his Wikipedia. And I I looked at one of the, you know, they got the little credits and stuff right there. And yeah. I was like, I was like, Jeff Jarrett was a head of state. And then I remembered that he was, he stomped out uh, our truth and, um, no, he, he and our truth stomped out Chris Rock in the movie. And that, that, that I'm glad that he gave like the full breakdown and he like actually remembered like how everything came together and stuff like that. That was cool as hell, man. So shout out to, uh, shout out to Jeff Jarrett. But I got beef with our truth because he ain't retweeted. So. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Poor R-Truth, he's a uh, busy man, Andrew, you know, perhaps he, perhaps he didn't see it just yet, but... um, He's full, he full, full of shit, man, he saw it, 
He saw it. <laughs> I know. I know he saw it. He saw it, man. Get out of here. It's like, it's all good, Archie. Ain't no beef, man. Come on the you podcast. Know, you know. You know what's funny? Um, I bet Jeff Jarrett's never been asked about that film on an interview ever, and so it was. Uh, I, I'd fully imagine that Conrad was maybe listening to your interview, and he's like, "Oh yeah, definitely to bring that up on the podcast." Yeah. <laughs> With Jeff Jarrett one time. Just such a, I mean, Jeff Jarrett just gets everywhere, doesn't he? I know my uh, British Wrestling Experience co host, Benno, always says that there must be six Jeff Jarrett's because he always, like, he must have cloned himself because he must be, like, absolutely everywhere. And he just turns yeah. up in the most unlikely places. I mean, Chris Rock and uh, Jeff Jarrett, I mean, what a what an odd couple that, that must make. But yeah, I, I, that was a brilliant interview. I, I, saw, I saw one tweet, somebody was like, uh, because you, you know when all the rumors and stuff was happening about what was was going on about WWE uh possibly possibly selling to to a you know to a to another place or something like that and I saw somebody quote they was like Jeff Jarrett was waiting in the wings like he's he's sitting in WWE waiting in the, waiting yeah. in the wings probably gonna try to buy the company and try to take it from business man so it was hilarious bro rubbing, it, his, rubbing his hands together with a consortium <laughs> of uh, businessmen behind him uh, global force gold yeah. <laughs> Good no, old, but yeah. Jeff, Jeff, Jeff Jerry, he he's like he really is everywhere, bro. Like it's yeah. crazy. He 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 really is everywhere. It's not even um, an exaggeration. But um, <laughs> I suppose um, enough about Jeff here because he's not on the show today. But um, onto the event itself, SummerSlam 2002 held at the Nassau Coliseum in New York on August the 25th. Uh, crowd reported around just over fourteen thousand, and then. Um, this was the first pay-per-view after the first ever brand split. Um, the first brand split, obviously, at the time, Raw seemed a lot more star-laden than SmackDown, and but SmackDown seemed to have more of the work rate roster, and, you know, obviously they had the upcomers like Brock Lesnar, and, you know, The Rock was around for a bit, and obviously legends like The Undertaker. Um, I mean, just some of your initial thoughts on, the, on this brand split, your thoughts on a brand split as a whole. I mean, do you think these things work or they end up getting bored of it and then just mixing everybody everywhere? I, I, I think it used to work and it was effective. Like, I, I don't think it's that anymore. I would say, I, I would say this, this, this specific draft that, that we're going to be covering today, the SummerSlam 2002 pay-per-view, but that draft that happened, like, I, I feel like, that was like really effective because it gave people different opportunities to shine and it was like it, it wasn't the same it's in some ways it wasn't the same formulaic you know because 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 like when, when you don't have the brand split at times it's like you 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 fighting to try to you know but it's basically the the, the top of the top mm. and you know everybody else is kind of like you know just place wherever but like especially with this brand split, you you allowed to see certain talents like you at this time you know you had edge coming up of course, there was a, this was a good way to uh, give Rey Mysterio a lot of spotlight coming in from uh, I, well they already purchased WCW, but like he had signed with them like a month or two. Yeah. He debuted with them, debuted with WWE a month prior to this SummerSlam show, and like even going to back to um the 2016 brand split, I think that was like probably the best thing that WWE had done like in a decade or so. Like that that brand split did so much and I don't know what the hell went wrong or what went left. Like, and when you're looking at that, uh, I know you probably remember that's that when they on the raw side came out of the gate, broke the blunt, they did the brand split. They brought up Finn Balor and this dude for his first night, I think he got a win over Kevin Owens, uh, Cesaro, uh, mm. Chris Jericho, and then beat Roman Reigns in the same night. And then uh, went on to win the universal title. And, I was just like that. That's like, and they they had so much different variety on that 
on that brand with the you know Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens matches and stuff like that. And it was it was it was something. And then for SmackDown, you had people like the Usos. They they came up big time and changed did their whole character. So you had the uh, Jason Jordan and Chad Gable. You had so many people like Alexa Bliss like was making her like I, I don't know what, what they doing with her now, but like when she came up like she was you know everybody was at for Alexa Bliss. They they the people the one that pushed her to. to uh, to become the, the the champion multiple times, you had Naomi coming up, Becky Lynch came up, like that. That I, I think the brand split is effective, but like I feel like it's I, I feel like WWE sometimes, bro. They 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 really like trip themselves up with certain stuff, and like yeah. I, I just don't know how they 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 do that. But yeah, the, the brand split can't be effective. I ain't mean to be like so damn long winded, but like it was just yeah. It, the, no, the, no, the, I completely agree with what you're saying. I completely agree with what you're saying. Parts of it work, and then parts of it don't work, and they seem to sort of like peter off because it's like this original one you could see the idea was let's have all sort of like the uh you know the 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 big superstars and legends on raw and that's that's, let's have sort of like smackdown as you know the you give people in a chance give them more tv time that they're not going to get on raw or if the smackdown was a you know part of part of the raw brand and things like that so yeah i completely agree with what you're saying parts of it work and then parts of it don't work and it just seems like they peter off and get bored of it towards the end and end up mixing everybody up anyway. Yeah, yeah, that uh, I, 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 I know. I, I, well, I don't, I don't know for sure, but like, of course, you've seen like the, the certain, um, like some, some reporters, several reporters have like said that there were conversations about another draft happening. Like, ho- hopefully, they, you know, put the right people on the right brand. But like, just judging by how Smack how SmackDown is positioned or mm. you know, portrayed. You, you can kind of guess that SmackDown's nine times of the tango probably had a better roster when it's all said and done if they do decide to go the route of another draft. And, you know, they 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 going to have to do something about Raw because Raw is just like, I I, I generally don't, like, but when, even when I I, co- I cover the uh the show for posts and, like, I do, like, the news and notes and stuff coming out of it, but, it, like, sometimes but I'm, I'm, like, legit, like, about to fall asleep, like, mm. trying to <laughs> cover that show. Like, it's because it, it's not interesting at all. It's like, it's like nothing going on. Like, you would probably fall asleep and, like, not miss much like I, I would say the the show they did this past Monday it was like decent but it wasn't like you know it's I was like I, I don't know I don't they 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 need to get their shit together man I'm yeah tired of falling, I'm, I'm tired of falling asleep <laughs> <laughs> um yeah I think for me it's uh, sort of like the only really interest I have in WWE you now is sort of like what's going on with Roman Reigns and whatever yeah. he's doing it seems to be exciting and you know he's got a really good sort of like character now that he can really get behind and something that he can really get his teeth into because that's what he needed for ages isn't it something that he could really grab onto and uh, and get his teeth into now martin i was going to ask you don't you think it's so crazy how they handle roman reigns's story since he came back so well everything is like handled like delicately like it's no Mm. slip-ups it's no like there's no weak fuse. There's no like, you know, how, how they would do for most people. Like, they, you know, like when some people come out of a, a big WrestleMania victory, there'll be that dry ass period, like when they like in these boring feuds that nobody cares about for like until they get to SummerSlam. Yeah. But like Roman, it's like from August 2020 to where we are now, there has been no slip ups with his stories. There has been no born stories. Like mm. I, I, I really, I'm, I'm questioning. And I was, gonna, I, basically, I was gonna ask you was like, I, it's just crazy how they can't do that for. That's, I mean, I, you can't hit on everything, but like, if you can do that for Roman Reigns, I'm a hundred percent sure you could at least try your best to give people other champions or other stories at least half 
of the attention and the you know the, the carefulness that his storylines get you know it does make me wonder in pure speculation obviously whether when he did come back he was like you know i want to sort of like be heavily involved in what's going on with my character and things like that and sort of like have a you know have a more involvement rather than just getting told what to do all the time mm, yeah like i i feel like him having especially him having paul Heyman there mm-hmm. it like it really adds to the character but yeah man it's uh the, 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 I, like going back to your original point the, the brand split it can work it just depends on like it basically a wwe wants the shit to work like that's the, <laughs> that, 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 that's the thing bro yeah exactly um that's was also one of the big talking points uh that spring and summer in 2002 was steve austin walking out of the company i mean yeah Coming into a show to tell he was going to lose to Brock Lesnar, who WWE were obviously building up to be the, the you know the next big top star. Um, you know, obviously no build. You know, he went in into depth in you know his Hall of Fame speech a few years later, saying he always wanted to do business, but he wanted to do good business. And obviously he must have been quite burnt out around this time as well. You know, he'd been you know on the road hard for a, a number of years at that point i mean what what are some of your thoughts on us and obviously they tried painting it you know in a lot of things especially that confidential documentary they did where they were saying oh austin just took his ball home and you know yeah. he let the company down and blah 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 <laughs> but i can see austin's point you know just coming in and that's a big money match and you're just gonna have it sort of like blown up on tv yeah like i i was always on Austin's side with this like even when i was um when I was uh, I remember back in '03, I went to go. I went to I can't remember what store it was. I want to say it was Target or, or something like that. I went and got um the 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 No Way Out 2003 DVD, and I like I I I was like watching WWE, but like I, I didn't quite fully understand like everything that was going on. Like mm. I thought everything was just like you you know what what it was on a on a surface level. Yeah, you know, I got older, like I started to understand some of the like the terminology and stuff we was using, how they were describing Stone Cold, like you just said. So talking about like how he, you know, took his ball and went home, and that like younger me, I'm like, what the, what the fuck are they talking about? Like, what do you mean he took his ball and went home? And, like, <laughs> you know, and then like you, of course, you go on and you find out what happened. And like, I, I think Austin was like 100 like in the right, especially because like, like Martin, if you if like, if you was in this position, you you put in all this work for this company. You know what I'm saying? You you were the top guy for for so many years, and and still still was a, t- a top guy. Like, and if I, I I get the whole idea of them wanting to establish Brock right off the gate because they view Brock as that you know as as the person that was gonna be carrying them you know for the long haul. Mm-hmm. We know how that turned out. Brock flipped the switch and was like, "Nah, y'all gonna do what I want." Yeah. <laughs> and he's still having his way with them to this day. Oh yeah. But but like I, I I always thought Austin was in the right, and it, it was something that you like that that kind of brought up something else. I was actually listening to an interview that um I think it was X Pac that that he did Sean Waldman, and he was telling the story of how uh one day uh th- this was like I want to say it was 2002 I think or, or, or this was like no no this was either 2002 or 2001, but this was like right when the Undertaker uh started using the the character with the motorcycle, and mm. they and Vince McMahon wanted. Uh, to put Matt Bloom, Albert, over on Undertaker, like somewhere near like the beginning of that character, and Undertaker was like, he he ain't be me, like <laughs> he, like he just said he just showed up one day, it was just like, hey, we gonna put Albert over you, and Undertaker was like, who who, who be me? He's like that that's not happening, not just off no like no yeah. bill, like no like that that's not happening, and like I mean, I, what, what, like would you say just the difference is that like maybe the way 
Austin handled it, I guess, was, was like the way that, you know, th- things went left. Because, I mean, essentially, Undertaker did the same thing in, in, in that situation. But, mm. I mean, it, it, I guess it's just not of the same magnitude, you know, comparing Brock Lesnar to Matt Bloom. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 definitely. But, 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 you, but you get what I'm saying, though. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, well, I suppose, you know, I imagine Undertaker went, hell no, and they just went, okay, <laughs> then we'll, we'll do something else. <laughs> but I, I, suppose, I suppose Austin had been sort of like maybe a bit annoyed with the way his character had been handled for most of the year. obviously, you know, the match had got all at WrestleMania and things like that, and he didn't seem like he was a happy camp. So perhaps he just needed some time out from him. Uh, and obviously, he had a lot of stuff going on in his personal life as well. So. You know, perhaps he just needed some time out from wrestling, but um, obviously he came back and uh, took the rock on uh, WrestleMania the year after. But um, should we should we get into the first match because this is an absolute cracker? I remember loving this at the time and loving it on the rewatch now because, like you noted earlier, we've got um, Rey Mysterio taking on Kurt Angle and Rey not in the company that long at this point, and he's still being treated very much as a cruiserweight when he first came in. Obviously, his debut match was against Chavo Guerrero. But big match here for him versus Angle, who, you know, I thought Angle was very giving when some other heavyweight wrestlers wouldn't have been as giving with Ray. And just mm. a really hot opening crowd was well up for it. And these two worked so well together, didn't they? Bro, this was like, I, I think we all, we often hear this, like this is like one of the best opening matches that WWE has ever presented. Mm. Like you, you can throw that in there, like with, you know, with, you know, Bratton Owen. At the at the WrestleMania, yeah, uh, Moxley versus Kevin Owens at the Royal Rumble 2016. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I, I know a lot of people. Uh, I, I I haven't seen this match in full, but I know a lot of people really look highly on it. Was the Bret Hart versus uh Hakushi match? I think it was like a yeah, in your house or something like mm-hmm. that, something along those lines. But uh, yeah, th- th- this is definitely like one of those like great opening matches. Curtain, Kurt, Curtain, Ray. They 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 are like like the perfect match. Like I I I don't get why they click so well, but they they just do. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, Kurt Angle's a great base for all sort of like Mysterio's flying. And then, you know, obviously Angle, you know, didn't sort of like get beaten up in this one. You know, he, he dominated quite a bit, but he, he let Mysterio get a lot of his stuff in. And the thing is, it was only 10 minutes and it's like, you know, mm. it's really hard to pack so much into a 10-minute match. And I thought they really did well. Obviously, Angle picked up the win, but, you know, Rey Mysterio didn't lose nothing. And I suppose for fans, it really opened up, you know, their eyes to Rey more as sort of like, you know, Oh, look, he's not just one of these cruiserweight guys. He can really mm-hmm. sort of like hang with the sort of like main eventers, so to speak. Yeah, no, one hundred percent. And like you, we, we've heard it countless times from like uh, you know, Jim Ross and you know people people that were in the thick of the company as far as the higher ups goes and how they you know view Ray back then and you know was constantly looking at his size as far as like the, the idea of moving him out of that. Uh, you know cruiserweight division it, it 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 did take ray a minute though like his he was he was still like in that like mm. that bracket for like several years or so and it took it took him a while to you know move out of that and well you, you can even look at something like i guess uh recently or i mean not recently but uh in in, in the recent years is the best way to put it like you can even look at somebody like uh like pat when he was in wwe and he was doing the crew he was doing like the the, the hill run that he was doing on 205 live dude that was like the best work of his career like oh, yeah. he he was carrying that brand like along with you know the other great wrestlers he had but i'm talking about like as far as character work he was probably like the only one that like had something that you could take onto a monday night raw or friday night smackdown and people were like calling for that to happen and they just slotted him in to the cruiserweight thing and like it, you know it was just a waste a, a waste a waste of talent to be honest with you but uh like i was going to 
uh, ask you, like, did you did you like the pairing of uh did you did you really like the pairing of Michael Cole and uh Taz as a commentary team? Was that like a a a favorite of yours within WWE? Um, I remember not liking it at the time, but listening back to it sort of like all these years later, I don't find it as offensive as I did at the time. <laughs> but I think, um, you know, when you're used to a certain sort of like style of commentary and things like that, and, you know, and, and those two never quite did it for me, I always found Taz. But listening back to it now, I don't find it as bad as I did in 2002, I don't think. Like, and wasn't that Kurt, you mentioned in Kurt Angle, like he he recently uh, did one of his, uh, the, the, the Kurt Angle show, podcast with, with with Conrad and he he, he said something that was like kind of like real sad like you kind of feel for him he said that he's like in extreme pain like all the time mm. these days like even though he because we, we all know about the you know the issues that Kurt has had you know he, he's been open about it so we could talk you know he's been more than open about you know the substance abuse stuff yeah. like that but like not not even that just, just what he put his body through throughout his entire career like he's done a lot, like you, and you th- and you look back at some of that stuff that he's done. You know the the moon salts off the cages, and yeah. you know what I'm saying. Like he dude broke his neck before he even got in professional wrestling. Mm-hmm. Broke it, broke his neck a couple weeks before the WrestleMania 19 match with Brock, and still went and did that match, which was really good. And then had to take had another surgery. Had had to have that surgery, and then I think he had one more surgery after that. Like the, he he there's a lot of wear and tear on Kurt's body, and like I don't think any any human body is supposed to take that type of punishment. Like you can even kind of see it like, you know, when, when he was on TV and WWE and like, you know, it, it would be kind of hard for him to, I guess, stand up completely straight and stuff like that. Like you, you mm. it was like visibly, like you can notice this stuff. So I, I really feel bad for Kurt, man. The fact that he did all that for people's entertainment, you know what I'm saying? Now he's, we, we, we said, we seen it with a lot of, we seen this with a lot of wrestlers, like they're dealing with the repercussions of professional wrestling. I, I think that's why you've seen like, some guys like they're really slowing down what they do in the ring. Like I've noticed, like you know, I just mentioned them, like Pack. Like I noticed he isn't doing a- a- as much aerial stuff that he used to do in the years prior. Like he's kind of really slowed it down a little bit. I guess you can say, um, you know, uh, uh, MJF. You know, basically character stuff. You can, uh, you know, you could throw out a couple, couple of different people, but yeah, man, it, it, it's real sad to see that, you know, or hear you know, that Kurt is, is, you know, dealing with the issues that he's dealing with. Oh, yeah, definitely. Well, I think just before he joined TNA, WWE was trying to tell him he needed to slow down and sort mm-hmm. of like, you know, and, and they were telling him he shouldn't be wrestling as much in that. And then he went and joined TNA for like years and years, didn't he? And had insane matches doing moonsaults off cages and things like that. But, you know, I suppose life's about choices and, you know, that's what Kurt wanted to do. So yeah. like continually wrestle yeah. and entertain the fans, didn't he? But, um, Back to uh, SummerSlam, and we had the we went backstage after uh, Kurt uh, tapped Bray out, and we had the first look at the respective general managers. We had Eric Bischoff on Raw, and then Stephanie McMahon as a SmackDown GM. Um, how old do you think Steph is here, Andrew? Uh, watching this uh, footage back, I'm a she 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 had to be in her twenties, right? Yeah, twenty six. Damn, I know <laughs> she didn't pack so much in. I think she started around sort of like. 99 so you think how long she's sort of like you know been involved yeah. in the family business yeah i'll say the same thing for shane like shane used to be like a he used to be like working in the, like the production truck like when he was like a teenager and shit mm-hmm. like that so like that they, they, they they've been in it for you know for a minute but like, let me ask you this boy because I, I'll, I'll i'm I just, i'm curious about people's opinions about this like who, who do you think is going to take over after the events like who, who do you think is going to be like the the head after events 
Like, no, it's definitely going to be Stephanie with a Triple so? H as like her assistant sort of thing. Yeah, I think it's all geared up for that, isn't it? Okay. okay. Yeah. I, don't, I think Shane's sort of like, you know, he's probably, he might be back in the family good books, but I think as far as, sort of like <laughs> it, as, far as business goes, it's all about, you know, Stephanie sort of like daddy's little girl sort of thing. Yeah, it's definitely, uh, definitely going to be all about her, um, I think. Okay, cool. I, I just want to get your take on that. But like the, the next match we had was, uh, was was Ric Flair versus um versus uh Chris? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's like nah, Chris, Chris Jericho, man. I I I ain't hating on Jericho no more, man. I, I ain't wasting no more energy, man. <laughs> I ain't wasting no energy. It's like nah, I'm, I'm with all the shenanigans, Martin. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, <laughs> it's funny. I mean, we we we're talking about Flair here because he even though he had appeared at SummerSlam '92, I think this was the first time he'd actually wrestled at a SummerSlam event. So obviously, he'd managed to miss. The dreadful invasion angle and came in just after that and um and and with jericho he's on a bit of a come down here after his uh undisputed title win at the end of oh one hadn't really set the world on fire and um you know he lost mm-hmm. it in a bit of a dull match for triple h at wrestlemania and um you know it, it's weird with this second match because it's a bit of a nothing match isn't it, after that hot opening you know i'm really quite surprised to see flair pick up the win here you know since i, I don't recall him wrestling that much in 2002 he was more of like a an on-screen personality rather than a wrestler. Um, yeah, not and not much of the build-up to this match on TV. They kind of just had a bit of a brawl and then and then came out. Yeah, so my main takeaway from this match was that I was just surprised to see Flair beating Jericho. I mean, Flair. I mean, Jericho must have been really in the bad books at, at this point. Yeah, yeah, he would uh, Triple H. <laughs> yeah, but uh, but but uh, the, the, let's say Flair was Flair was fifty-two, right, at this time. Yeah, yeah, like that, yeah. But that's like, so, so when I was like watching this stuff in real time, and even going back to two thousand eight or two thousand nine, like, I, bro, I knew Flair was old, but like, I mean, I mean, well, it's, I mean, I, I guess it's in some place, like, I, well, let, let me say, you, let me say this, you only as old as you feel. Let me say that, and, 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 <laughs> and Flair, Flair was going hard, so you know what, I'm not even gonna bring up, bring, bring that up. But Flair, Flair had a, he low key had like a sleeper, like two thousand two. Like he 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 did a lot this year. Like he had that uh that that match that me and you and who was that that uh Chris and Chad covered the uh, mm-hmm. the 2002 Royal Rumble with Vince. He had the match mm-hmm. with uh he had an undisputed title match on Raw against uh that clown Terry Belair. He had the match with Eddie Guerrero at the 2002 King of the Ring. He had a match with The Rock in July of, of 2002. But Ric Flair he he had, he had like a a couple like you know solid matches it wasn't anything that you know blow your mind out but it mm-hmm. was like you know for a 52 year old that has done what he's done and been on the road as much as he has and you know put the wind tail on his body like he, he had like a couple you know a, co- a couple decent matches in there yeah I mean, what were your thoughts of flair when you were a kid it's interesting <laughs> to know that because i remember um, i remember him, him obviously we didn't really uh, wcw was sort of like um I was a really big fan of it when it's sort of like in the early nineties and things like that. But I remember when he first came into WWF, I wasn't fully aware of WCW at this point. And I was like, who the hell is this guy? You know what I mean? They're coming in, they were calling him the real world champion and things like that. <laughs> so I'm always interested to know what people thought of the first time seeing Flair sort of thing. Cause obviously, you know, we weren't watching his heyday in the eighties and things like that. Right. Like I, I always, from, from what I remember, from what I can recall, I always did like Ric Flair. Mm-hmm. I, I, I didn't know, how big of a star he was though i just thought he was just like you know just the vet like i was just like okay that's the veteran obviously 
But yeah. I, I like it, I, I didn't know until years later, like how big of a star this dude was and like how big of a name he was and what he had done prior to WCW even. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? Like he was he he was already a made man in the eyes of many people before before, you know, his this uh th- th- this current WWE run that we're talking about. Like he he was already, you know, he was already the man. So yeah, now Flair is uh taking suplexes in the pools by Andrade. Yeah, he he living a life, man. He oh a yeah, life. definitely, definitely. Still going, I, still going hard as well, isn't he? Yeah, I was. Mar, Mar, do you remember? I was going to talk about Jericho. Um, he had the match with RVD at the King of the Ring 2002. Do you remember that? Mm, no, no, not that's not much I recall. So he he had a match, and uh, I had I had looked this up, and he 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 went. And so apparently, uh, from what I remember, the match was really good, but it was like a a bunch of negative uh, reactions to it. Like I guess on on some of the message boards and stuff like that. Mm. And that Jericho read that stuff. Oh god. He, he 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 wrote a message on his on his website at like immediately following the uh the match against RBD, like and he wrote a message to the people that was like commenting on the, on the message was about how they thought the match was bad and stuff like that. And I actually have this message pulled up. I don't know if you want to hear it. But it's no, let's go. Let's go for it. <laughs> so, so here it go. This is from Chris Jericho's website after his match against RBD. And I quote, hello, Jackoffs. All right, I've had it. You want a war. Now you got one. I'm suffering from about of insomnia. So I decided to go on the web and check out the reviews of the King of the Ring from tonight, most specifically on the PW Torch website after reading with all of you smarks and and believe me you are all still marks had to say about my match in the show I am furious everybody has the right to an opinion and here's mine I'm sick of all you holier than thou pompous jackasses uh, that's it that's all baby goes to sleep now I've had one of my best matches of the year tonight with RBD that featured 20 minutes of tremendous action innovative false finishes and an absolutely tremendous crowd it was everything I could have asked for in a match and it was in my opinion and off the charts performance from myself from RBD and myself match of the year caliber I was so excited about the contest and I can humbly state that we stole the show the crowd was so into it that they were burned out after we went on quiet for the next three to four matches they ate up every move from start to finish and they enjoyed the hell out of it and you know he it, it was just uh two more paragraphs of him calling people asses and you know <laughs> wow and, and, and stuff like that it, i mean it, it was like you, you know he, he was basically just talking about how like he you know good he thought the match was and you know how he was you know went out to entertain the crowd and you know for them to be you know so, so for some people to be saying some stuff like that you know he, he just didn't like it like the end of it was a uh, he, he was like a lot of the boys pander to you on their websites asking you for your input uh, a, a lot of uh, yeah a lot of the boys pander to you on their websites asking you uh, for for input and your thoughts and I use and I used to be one of them guess what I'm not anymore think what you want I don't care don't care what you want I don't care respond how you want to as well because I won't be reading I don't give a damn about what you think anymore one of the best wrestlers in the world and one of the best performers in the best match of the night and match of the year candidate from the king of the ring wow wow <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's the problem, isn't it? You can't go on there and, and expect, you know, and go, oh, has everyone got feedback from a macho and, and expect everyone to say good things, you know what I mean? Especially when they're not doing it on his website. He's actually going to the torch and reading all this stuff. And otherwise, he said he had to have a bout of insomnia. That's the only reason he was going on the torch and stuff. Um, yeah. 
That definitely did hold, hold up well uh, for reading that right now. I do actually, I think I do recall reading about that at the time, but you know, now you brought it up, I, I do think I remember that. But yeah, that's the problem. <laughs> if you got to take the rough with the smooth, aren't you? If you're going on there to get a load of praise and then, you know, you're not always going to get it. So yeah, I suppose, yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> that's hilarious. He wrote a massive rant about it on his website. Right, I, I, I'm, I'm probably, I'm probably saying, I'm gonna send you the link to this in your, uh, your Twitter deal because it, it was a lot more than what I actually read, but I ain't gonna oh, spend yeah. the whole time reading. So I'm, I'm gonna send you the full thing. Oh yeah, looking forward to reading that. But um, I suppose moving on from uh, Jericho and Flair and onto um, onto Edge against Eddie Guerrero and um, Eddie Edge at this point had been single, uh, had broke up from Christian for a, a while now, and you know this is obviously few years removed from the rated R character and you could definitely see even at the time you could definitely see promise him as a as a singles guy and it, WWE was certainly high on him you know putting him in tags with a uh, Hulk Hogan and things like that on Smackdown um, so not quite there as a bona fide single star yet and obviously Eddie's here in the midst of being a push mid-carder and really over yeah. with the crowd and obviously a few months away from his big title win over Brock Lesnar but really enjoyable match you know the thought the finish was a bit a uh, bit loppy you know with edge pinning him with a spear after eddie had spent the majority of the match <laughs> working over edge's shoulder i was like what's going on here but i suppose that's you know i'm, I'm just being one of those um smarky internet fans that uh, jericho was talking about <laughs> there, I think. Hey, hey martin what like when you was like catching this like in 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 real time like did, did you could you kind of see the the potential that edge had because like hindsight me watching this again like because i remember i watching it back then but like you you know like i was i was just watching it you know mm. i'm just enjoying it but like now looking back at it, i could kind of you, you could see the potential that edge had like it was just like he was missing something like i i was wondering like if you could kind of see that you know as you were watching it in real time like did you see him taking the next step or he was just like you know what, what he was like just the mid car guy yeah, well, um, I remember I used to go around to my friend's house on a whenever a pay per view was on, yeah, and we watched them together. And I do remember when we he did break up with Christian, we were like, oh yeah, Edge is going to be sort of like you know one of the guys that we want to see sort of like featured, and we think he's going to be like one of the top guys. But I think also one of the issues he had was you know he kind of changed his look a bit, but he he still sort of like looked very similar to what he did when he was with Christian. I don't think, and I think you know, what really changed his character was when he had a big overhaul of his look, you know, he cut his hair and, you know, got the black tights and things like that and just had a complete overhaul of his look and his attitude and things like that. And I think for me, the problem was here, he was too much, too similar to the sort of like character he'd been when he was with Christian and stuff. And it, it kind of took him a while to shake that off. And I always felt that Christian, you know, he did have a, you know, a run with the title, you know, some decent matches with Randy Orton sort of like years later. But I did always find him, I thought, well, he's going to be like the comedy mid-card guy. And then Edge is going to be the guy, um, you know, big, he's going to be the run. main event. Yeah. 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 I suppose I suppose that did happen eventually, but, you know, we were a few <laughs> few years, a few years removed from it here. Yeah, they uh, the the match with with Edge and Eddie, like like you said, like they you know Edge, uh, his his arm magically started you know got got better after Eddie was <laughs> spent the whole match on it because I think Edge had like a legit, I think he had like a torn labrum in like June of that year, like his shoulder was like legitimately hurt, and I think he was supposed to be in the finals of the King of the Ring, O two against Brock, but it was it ended up being RBD and Edge had got hurt, 
and so I, I did kind of like that they did focus in on the match, you know, because Edge was out a whole month with mm. that with that injury. So they, you know, they 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 did kind of play like the you know the reality aspect of it. And so I I think I did think that was like a cool a cool thing on this match, and it, it was kind of cool, you know, seeing Edge and Eddie in the ring. Yeah, definitely. And um, I suppose these these were part of that SmackDown Six we were talking about, you know, the mm. sort of work rate guys, and obviously these guys would. Um, you know, I've, I've quite a lot of matches on SmackDown in tags and things, the likes of Ray and Kurt Angle and things like that, and they're a large part of what made SmackDown so entertaining around that time. Um, yeah. But yeah, and obviously Edge picked up the win in that one, and we moved on to the. I, I about to say, I about to say, Martin, like before, before the, uh, before the Edge match, we had that. I, it was something I wanted to ask you about because uh, they had a segment with Lesnar and Paul Heyman. Mm. If 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 if, Hay- if if Lesnar was to do like a long form i know he did one with austin but like if he was to do like a long form sit down i guess interview type thing would, would you would you want it to be like a documentary or would you want it to be like just a straightforward you know conversation where he dives into everything and, and, and who would you think would be a good person to uh be on the interviewee side that you think could get the most out of brock lesnar from like a you know maybe a paul Heyman or mm. some, someone then within you know that that bubble that could that that you think would be able to get the most information possible out of Brock. Oh, I don't. Yeah, obviously Paul Heyman. You know, interviewing yeah. him and talking. You know, just in a sort of like relaxed setting. You know, kind of like the uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin, how he does with the uh, Broken School session. Sort of like you know, have a couple of drinks and and relax. Mm. Um, I suppose uh, someone like Austin might be able to get. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, uh, more than he did sort of like in that prior interview that they had. That seemed a bit sort of like, you know, Brock was okay in it. but Or maybe uh, like an MMA gen- journalist maybe, because obviously Brock seems, you know, a lot more open when he's in, in, in MMA, you know, because he's not got the shackles of sort of like WWE yeah. telling him what to do and things like that. So, yeah, maybe sort of like an MMA journalist or something like that. Or maybe maybe an up-and-comer like, um, you know, like an Andrew Thompson or something nah. like that. That might be good. Nah. You probably probably gonna put my ass in a chokehold. I say something wrong. <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't want them issues, man. But, but like they, they they had this uh like you, like you was about to mention when you was about to move on. They had this this weird commercial, and I, I was I was wondering if it was anything like to that. Like they were talking about like how you know th- there is no contract disputes that puts WWE on hold, and you know they don't have an off season and stuff mm. like that. I was like I was like what were like what were they talking? Because at, at the end of the show, I'm, we gonna get to it, but like. Um, Howard Frankel had mentioned something about the MLB, like going on strike or, so, or something like that, or yeah. something along those lines. Like, what, what was that? What they were referring to in, in that commercial? Like, it just seemed like one of those like. Why, I, th- why, I think why, it why? must have been around the time if the MLB was on strike. That must have been. But they always have digs at other sports, don't they? Yeah. And say, oh, you know, you know, you don't con and you don't consider us a real sport. But yet we don't have an off season. We don't have these breaks and things like that. So yeah, it must have been a, a dig at that if there was an MLB sort of strike around that around that time period. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, but I suppose moving on to the on Americans. Um, hey, these are my guys, man. I like. <laughs> really? <laughs> I, 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 I've always been a fan of the un Americans, but like specifically the uh, the period when it was Regal and Storm, and they would attack. I I, I, I always like the theme song that that mm-hmm. was like, I was like <laughs> that that was like, but like, they were like really like that was like a really like solid group of dudes like with Christian and and the late uh, Andrew Martin Test. Mm-hmm. And and then Regal joined and, and you know Lance Thorne was there. I I I like the Un-Americans because they all really love doing this sort of like patriotism stuff, like, don't they? Yeah, and especially yeah, around this time, yeah. <laughs> Considering you know we weren't even a year removed from sort of like nine eleven, oh, yeah. and you oh, know, yeah. and obviously it's un-American, and they really want. But the crowd was certainly like we you know 
you know, doing what WWE wanted them to do, weren't they booing him as heels? Because obviously it was Christian and Lance Storm uh, taking on Booker T and Goldust in the next match. But um, yeah, certainly it seems that, you know, the fans were eating up everything with the Un-Americans because they, you know, they were booing everything they did in this match. Yeah, yeah. I I, I do think, that, you know, the the act got the desire, the WWE got the, reside, the desired reaction that they wanted from the act of the Un-Americans. They, they got exactly what they wanted. I remember when I uh when I interviewed Christian and I had asked him about being in the Un-Americans. He said he did not like it. He didn't like it. Like as he said, he just he said it was difficult for him because he didn't believe in the character that he was presenting. He was like it was very difficult for him to go out there and like act as if this was you know something that he was invested in. He was just like he was like not not checked out, but he was just it, it just wasn't interesting to him, and he kind of felt like he just you know was just doing it just to do it but they they did get the you know the desired reaction and like uh like what like mark what, what do you kind of think about like the the uh the the good old america storylines and in, in, in today's landscape like of course recently we've seen this with one uh cody rose and anthony gogo and like they tried to like i guess force a gogo to be the heel mm. like i, and I, it, I it, think it's it, um <laughs> it's just wrestling loves doing this stuff don't they and obviously there is a shelf life to this stuff and i can see why christian wasn't a big fan of doing it because these sort of like factions and groups have got a shelf life haven't they and they're never gonna beat anything and he must be looking at ed you know getting this push of sort of like a you know an upper mid card guy on smackdown and then he's uh, stuck with these sort of like goose doing this sort of american (laughs) stuff Um, so i can see i can see why why he didn't quite like it but it's is for me it's just old hat you know i mean it's sort of like very sort of like 70s 80s style stuff i mean god they were doing it sort of back in world war ii when you know superman would be fighting the nazis and stuff in comics and things like that and i just think it's like quite old hat and uh, it was funny you know, Cody was trying to be the baby face in that one. And it just turned backwards on him because all the American fans were like, actually, what well, Gogo's saying about America is completely accurate. So, yeah, he's, he's the baby face for me. Yeah, no, nah, 100%, man. Like, mm-hmm. look, we're go, going back to the match, like the, the end of it. But, but, hey, Martin, I'm telling you, but I'm so glad that we're moving away from like these like over the top distraction finishes, bro. Like mm-hmm. when the referee, like, Dude, I I know the referee just heard that man get his head clacked with a steel chair. Like it ain't mm. no way you, they, they 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 said this and like still looking at the guy in the corner. Like it, it was a one. I think it was um, it, it was it was Storm and 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 Christian. They tried to, they I, I think they tried they tried to hit Booker T. I believe over the head with like double steel chair. And I think Tess had Nick Patrick distracted, and like dude the loudest chair shot like yeah. I, I, I know i there's no way that you don't hear that like like yeah. i mean I, I get it it was it's all within the confines of entertainment and professional wrestling like you know you got to play along with it but like I, i'm i'm so glad that we are like past those days like when the referees like act like complete fools and oblivious to the most obvious things around them well, I think we all know that sort of like referees in wrestling are like the dumbest people in the world, aren't they? And the amount of stuff they miss. And then that whole thing where Eddie used to sort of like that, that great thing that Eddie Guerrero used to do where he'd like, you know, hit someone with a chair and then throw it at, throw it at them and as if to, you know, say that he'd been knocked out by them and the referee would be like, oh God, well, it must be true sort of thing. I think, yeah. But within the confines of professional wrestling, we, we, we love you referees. Yeah. Love you, <laughs> what did you think to um, Goldust and, um, and, and Booker T as a tag team? I do remember being like, oh, this is a bit of an odd pairing, but um, 
You know, I, I thought they, you know, Goldust had returned at the Royal Rumble that year and him and Booker yeah. had sort of formed the tag team. Um, I think Booker had spent about 10 minutes in the WWE version of the NWO and I thought two had pretty good chemistry together, some funny vignettes. They had obviously, Booker should have been doing bigger and better stuff, but, you know, I think he made the best of a bad situation here. Bro, I, I, I really like the team of Goldust and Booker T. It, 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 was, it was like the perfect balance or a good balance. Like Goldust was the comedy, Booker mm. T was the serious one. Like it, 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 I think they really bounce well off each other, especially like comedic, like I'm the comedic timing they had. Like I think a lot of people uh look back to that 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 segment that they did with the Rock at the, the yeah. King of Ring O2. Like when you, they, it, it was it was just hilarious, bro. Like they, I just think they just they, they really bounce well off each other. Like I, I think it's I, I think it's sometimes like we, we've seen this before in professional wrestling, like countless times where you have like the the comedic guy who pairs up with the serious guy. And like, but they, but they make it work and it's actually entertaining. Like we, we've seen this a bunch of times, but I, I think Booker and Goldust just had like a real good grasp on it. And I think they are looked back, you know, this team and is, is looked back fondly on by fans. And yeah, it's certainly easy to see why, especially if you go back on YouTube, watch some of the uh, vignettes that they did. And, and this match was, um, was pretty enjoyable as well. You know, um, under 10 minutes, you know, heels working over Goldust with, you know, Booker T coming in and getting the, the hot tag and stuff. And, you know, despite the cheap finish that you talked about earlier, I thought it was um, a pretty decent match. Yeah, yeah, it, it was fun, man. I, I, I enjoyed the, the, you know, the pairing of Booker T and, and Goldust, but I was, uh, I, I was a big on Americans guy, Martin. Big guy, big yeah. on Americans guy. <laughs> that's, uh, that's hilarious. I wasn't expecting that when we, uh, when we started up this <laughs> podcast, that you know, you'd be the big on Americans fan. But from this match, on Americans obviously won, and then we went from this match, and we had a really bizarre segment from um, the yes. world. Is, the world is yes. <laughs> Yeah, bro, I'm gonna let you finish. Go ahead. I'm gonna let you finish before, before it was I, the world. I right? They were calling it, calling it around. It used to be a uh, WF New York, and now they're calling it the world in Times Square. Obviously, um, ill fated project because that closed down, you know, deeply in debt. Um, I imagine the rentals on Times Square aren't cheap, probably, but um, yeah, JB Noble's in there with Nidia, who's you know, picking which of the two men she's gonna make out with, and then she picks one, and Jamie starts shouting. <laughs> You like, boy, give that song to him. And I, I almost <laughs> forgot about these two in WWE. And I was like, this was the most bizarre segment I've ever seen. Uh, okay, so let, 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 me, let me retract my, uh, my press because I, I don't want to make it seem like I, I was like fiending for, for, to see, you know, Nidia do her thing or whatever like that. But like, I, I, bro, I really like Jamie Noble and Nidia as a duo, mm-hmm. like, but they, they, like, they, they were hilarious. You got this country dude, you know what I'm saying, with the good-looking lady. You know what I'm saying? It, it was like, he was doing like, he was like, what, 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 what he was saying when she was picking up? He was like, he was like, which one are you fat? He was like, which one are you? Uh, but, but he, he said something like, he was he, he was saying, he was like, which one of these five pieces of New York cheese steak are you going to take tonight, baby? <laughs> and he was, he was like, you, you know that thing you do with your tongue? You know, you do that thing? <laughs> like, it's just this crazy accent that he had. Just like this deep southern draw. Oh, I, I know. Like, like, bro, it, I, I, I really enjoy uh, Nidia and, and, and Jamie Noble as, as a pair. Like, I feel like at that time, I, I do not think that will fly today at all, no. especially considering some of the verbiage. Like, it was, it was, a, it was, a, it was a little much, a, yeah. a lot of much at times. But I feel like back then, like, it, 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 it I, I'm going to say it didn't stretch to what some of the other stuff that was going on. And you would eventually see that within the next segment with Eric Bischoff and Stephanie McMahon and the verbiage that was used in, in that segment with, you know, when he, he said something along the lines of like, uh, 
he, he, he was, well, he, what, like, what was kind of like the, the, they was talking about. Hey, Bischoff said Niddy is a woman who knows her place yeah, in this yeah, business, that's what didn't it is. he? And, and then Steph was like, you know, women in this business are like herself on top. And, you yeah. know, of course, Eric was doing all the really, you know, really untasteful HLA segments and things like that around this time. You know, I think there was a lot of cringeworthy stuff that if you watch back these days, you're like, yeah, no, that yeah, doesn't bro, really bro, stand the test of time. The visual of Vince McMahon directing the segment of Eric Bischoff kissing his daughter is the weirdest shit oh, of all yeah. time. Like, I, I've heard Eric Bischoff talk about this. I, that, but that, that is, like, the most bizarre thing in the world. Like, I, I will never be able to, like, fully understand that. Like, you, you it's, it's just weird, bro. But, like, mm. going, going back to what I was saying about Jamie Noble Nitty, like, I do not think that would hold up today. No. Like, but, you know, I, I, I'm going to say... I'm, 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 I think the best way to phrase it is is, is childhood me found it entertaining for oh, what yeah. it was. <laughs> I, I, I think that's safe to say. Yeah, definitely. And uh, back to sort of like in-ring action, we had uh, Chris Benoit taking on Rob Van Dam. And obviously um, at this point in time, Benoit's the heel IC champion here against RVD. He was still super over. He's not quite lost the passion for WWE by this point. Mm-hmm. I think in, in a few years later, you know, he'd, he'd given up, especially that promo he did at um, the first one-night stand. And still getting good ovations. Ben was sort of like training water in the mid card before his big title win at Mania the year after this. Um, really good, solid match. Uh, got a really good finish with uh, Benoit going for the suplex off the top rope and RVD sort of countering it and then hopping off for the frog splash for the win. And um, I-, I wanted to ask you about RVD actually, Andrew. Do you think um, there was a ceiling for him in WWE? Because obviously a lot of wrestlers around the time were saying that he was unsafe because of some of the off- offense he had, but he was always massively over with the crowd. Yeah, I, I think so. I, I do think for a period of time, I think that's accurate that there was a ceiling for RVD. Like, but I think that also has something to do with, and then the only reason I'm saying it because I've heard him speak about this, and you've heard like, you know, this has been a long time since 2002, and a lot of stuff has come out, and you know, you've heard people openly spoke about this, and like they just felt like RVD was like, you know, some some people didn't get it. You know, some people within WWE, as far as like they were putting the show together, didn't get him. And they were like, they just didn't, I guess they didn't think that it was like appealing for somebody to be like, you know, super laid back, super chill. They, they, they just didn't understand it, you know. But I think that as times progress and you start to realize there's a lot of people in this world that are like that, like just very laid back and chill, don't really say too much. And they just mm-hmm. like to do their own thing. And I think that's very relatable. We've seen that with kind of, I, I guess you can compare um, a name to throughout the, I guess, a CM Punk. You know what I'm saying? Somebody that was just themselves on TV and it just, yeah. pe- pe- people relate to that easier. And like with RVD, I think just over time, it just came to a point like where you just can't deny how over somebody is. Mm. And like, you just gotta get, you, you, gotta, you gotta give the people what they want. And I think yeah. that was kind of the, the situation with RVD. Like, but Mark, was this your, uh, that was that IC title belt? Like, was that one of your favorite versions of, of the title? Oh no, I'm always a big sort of like fan of the oh, yeah, the yeah. Early 90s, the eighties and nineties one. That that was the one sort of like I sort of grew up with. So when they did change it mm. to this one, I was like, oh no, that's not <laughs> I suppose that's what's always gonna happen though, isn't it? You are always gonna sort of like gravitate to the one yeah. you know you first saw as a kid and yeah, but um I did I did really enjoy this much and um R V D was always solid sort of like around this time period, especially when he came in in two thousand and one he had some um he had some great matches with the likes of Jeff Hardy and then um, that three-way he had with Kurt Angle and Steve Austin. I, I always really enjoyed. I feel like sort of like 
sort of like later on a couple of years after this sort of like he'd gone into a routine he had a routine to a match whereas i feel like here he was still sort of like firing on all cylinders but um yeah and obviously people's mileage will, will vary on whether they can watch uh chris benoit matches these days but um yeah, yeah just um just just another enjoyable match because this is racking up to be um I remember it's always been spoke of as sort of like one of the best summer slams and it's still like even sort of like some of the roster you look at from this time period, but still like an another solid match um, on this card. Yeah, it, it, it was I I do think to your point that this is one of the uh better summer slams that they've ever presented and that this was a, a solid match. And I I like that uh at the when they had the 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 camera cut backstage to um stephanie and, and eric it was like that segment of like when he was like well you know we got the ic title so i guess you gotta you know tune in the raw to watch you know the the, the ic belt and she kind of laughed and that was like the precursor to her introducing the u.s title for smackdown right and i think uh they had that match um with with, with eddie and and benoit at the vengeance 2003 mm-hmm. show and that 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 was a you know a solid match and it was enjoyable uh from from, from what i remember from it but yeah, I I, th- I think this was like the you know just a a good way to uh, break away the IC title, put it back on Raw, and then you know introduce the the US title. Yeah, so each sort of like company had their own sort of like yeah. titles and things. And um, next up, we had a Test versus the Undertaker, and obviously Test sadly no longer with us. But he had a he's he's an interesting one in WWE. I always feel because he seemed to be getting a big push when he first uh, came in, paired up with Stephanie McMahon, but obviously. The steam was taken out from that, you know, when Triple H got involved. And it, it, he'd been <laughs> with the company for a while, just kind of treading water, you know, tagging with Scott Steiner, you know, having his fans called the testicles. And the then, testicles. Yeah, oh, no. my goodness, girl. I forgot <laughs> all about that. Jesus. But, yeah, not the, not the best thing. But uh, And then part of this un-American group here. And I remember, um, I do remember, seem to remember when he was like, oh, I he even changed his name to Andrew Tess Martin so he could... Uh, you know, so he wasn't going to get slapped with a lawsuit for using it on the indies. And obviously, he's up against Undertaker here. And you know, really, this is Undertaker and his American badass, American biker uh, gimmick. I mean, were you a fan of this uh, American biker gimmick? Or does it remind you too much of a uh, Blue Lives Matter Undertaker that we get today? I you know you know what I I ain't gonna lie, bro. I'm I'm gonna speak for I'm gonna speak for childhood me. I was a I, I did like the the biker. Undertaker mm. character. I thought I, I enjoyed it. You know what I'm saying? I ain't gonna sit here and bluff and try, and try but uh, the Undertaker in his current installment of what, what we're seeing over the last several years or so, not 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 a fan. And I remember mm. they uh Jerry Lawler had said on commentary that uh that, that there was no uh test didn't have any respect for Undertaker's uh old school values, but well, those values are very evident as of the last year, and I do not have respect for those either. So on that note, like I was saying, uh, I, I I did enjoy the biker version of undertaker and like i i, I did like the uh did, I, did, this wasn't my favorite version i guess if you, if you have had to choose one i would say probably my favorite version of the undertaker was the the i mean well it, it, it still is the biker thing but when he was the moniker was big evil red devil mm-hmm. you know what i'm saying when he was the undisputed champion yeah that was probably, that was probably like my when he was the, when he was a heel like this was like baby face i guess undertaker like he was the good guy and but like when he was doing like the heel stuff and you know he had that match with Jeff Hardy and you know he was like you know whooping the shit out Hulk Hogan all the time and you know he had that match with uh I, I think it was uh I, I I want yeah he had the match with Triple H at the at the King of the Ring show like that that was probably like my favorite time period of uh 
of uh Mark Calloway's career. Yeah, and it certainly gave a lot more longevity to his character, didn't it? Because it sort of like played out. They tried to do a few different versions of a. Uh, the Undertaker character during the Attitude Era, because obviously he couldn't be doing the same stuff he'd been doing sort of like early to mid-90s. And um, yeah, and I think it did give some more longevity to his career before he eventually fetched sort of like, you know, the more gothic Undertaker back. And um, I mean, there was no surprise that Undertaker made quick work attested, and he just needed a pay-per-view opponent before moving on to Brock Lesnar, because those two had a quite a lengthy feud later on in the year. And um, nothing too long, just under 10 minutes, you know, Taker in the tombstone for the win and sort of like, you know, um, a, a decent, a, a decent match on it because I really wanted to get into sort of like this next match, uh, Shawn Michaels against Triple H, and obviously this is the match that's most remembered from this show, isn't it? Um, mm-hmm. HBK being out for four years at this point. I'm, I mean, it's funny because I remember at the time, I, no one was ever thought he was going to come back from that back injury he had from '98. It seemed like you know that was him and done, and obviously he was still having the drug problems around that time as well. But obviously after getting married and having a kid and finding God, you know, he turned his life around. He decided to give wrestling another shot. Cause I don't think there were any firm plans uh, around this time for him yeah. to come back full time, but it was just to have this one match just to see how he felt. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, that's, that's, uh, I, I think that's like 100% accurate. I think that was the thing. I, I think that's been said like by, you know, by Sean himself. And I think by Bruce Pritchard and a couple other people, like they were just like, they weren't sure if he was going to be around, after this so that's why they had triple h attack him to like kind of give him the momentum back because they didn't know you know what sean was going to do and like even when you know they agreed to like some you know some later dates it was like more of a thing was oh you know he's just gonna be up till you know september he's gonna be around till you know he's gonna hang around for a couple more weeks Mm. oh he's gonna be a survivor series oh we might as well put the title on him yeah Uh, he's gonna gonna hang around and then like i guess once they realized that he was going to be you know there for like the next four five six years eight years or however long it was, it was just like, oh, you know, he, he's here now. So yeah, yeah, that that's uh yeah, that's accurate. I think he was um, you know, they they it wasn't anything concrete for him. It was just like they 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 presumed it was gonna be just a one and done type thing. Yeah, because he, he like you know that he had come back on Raw a few weeks before and after sort of teasing the DX union, Triple H attacked him in a parking lot and then Michaels challenged him to this unsanctioned match and he comes out here in jeans. And I remember watching this at the time and being a big HBK fan and wondering how it was going to be in the ring, but he, he comes out to a massive ovation, doesn't he? And mm. the two just had a fantastic brawl. I mean, it was like the Sean of 96, 97, you know, they, they were really playing on the crowd's emotions because there was a lot of back work by Triple H and Sean in the back with the chair, you know, giving him some really stiff like throws into the turnbuckles and things. We had both guys bleeding. And I think, I, I think that's why the crowd was so into this one and got so into sort of like, you know, Triple H working over Michaels in the opening because everyone knew about the back problems and they were like, you know, people wincing at the chair shots and stuff. But Sean hitting the dive from the top through the table after doing the crazy gesture is probably the most um, iconic moment from this match, I'd say. Bro, th- th- this was a really, really, really good match. Like this this holds up to this day. Like, it, it, and I think, yeah, the story, I, I think the story really helped. Cause I mean, it, like it, it made sense, bro. Like it made sense. Like you had Triple H who, had sort of no he well not even sort of he did rose the prominence while Sean was out and then now you got Sean coming back and you got the guy who's worried about that his spot's gonna get taken if his friend who was who he was you know quote unquote carrying his bags you know for mm. for the, for for many years and then now you got this guy coming back and now you're threatened so now you got to do the only thing that you can do is try to take him out before he eventually does what he did before which is you know probably outshine you 
and they, like the, the bro the story made sense and i think that's why people were so invested and then you know of course having the uh the, the story of them being great friends you know in and out of the ring it just it, it helped the whole thing overall and like you said like the telling the story about you know tri- triple h working sean's back and like even the you know the um the sidewalk slams into the chair and stuff like that mm-hmm. and you know what I'm saying? Just really like focusing in on Sean's back and even Sean uh, getting in the, in the escape victory. You know what I'm saying? Like I, I just think that was like a, this was like a one of those like very well, like the match was just handled very well and it was laid out very well from start to finish and it was enjoyable. And like, I can, you know, watch this uh, earlier, earlier this morning and I was just like, this match holds up, you know, as, as good as it did, you know, when I first saw it all those years back. Oh, yeah, definitely. And say it's nearly like 30 minutes long, you know, it really zips by, doesn't yeah. it? And it was just you're so nervous to see Shawn Michaels coming back to the ring here and, and just uh, having this fantastic match. And it was like he, he'd not lost the beat and just out here doing what he did best. And obviously, he did have a great time. He, he beat Triple H here. And because he was back for a number of years, I mean, he, like, you know, there even won the WWE title at Elimination Chamber a few, a few months later. And I think him and Triple H tried to recreate the magic from this one to no avail at um, Armageddon that year. But yeah, mm. just just that it's just so good that this is so fondly remembered by fans. And like you said, it, it really still lives up to how it did 20 years ago. Yeah, yeah, it, it, it definitely lives up, man. Like uh, it, it was one part that, that I really liked. <laughs> it, it was it was kind of a funny, funny little spot on commentary. Somebody, it was either uh, JR or Lawler had said, because uh, I think uh, Sean had took uh, the boot he had, he had took Hugo Savinovich's shoe off and he hit Triple H and some and either JR or Lawler was like, that's a heel for a heel. I was like, mm-hmm. that was that was a that was a funny little line right there. But like hey, did, did you kind of see um sort of um like mannerisms that you saw from Sean in this match, kind of like that you see in the Young Bucks in a way? Like, oh, is that just me? Like, I was, I was, oh, I was no, saying, definitely. They, yeah. they, they, the young books would say that themselves that they sort okay. of like used to okay. copy a lot of the show, like Shawn Michaels and the Hardy Boys, wasn't it? That's who they wanted to be. And that's why they sort of like spam the super kick and things like that. No, because I, 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 I was looking at so like some of the facial expressions Sean would make, you know what I'm saying? Like how you would like maneuver around the ring a certain way. And I, I was, I was like, damn, they, they kind of remind me of the young bucks a little bit. Like that, that and I, you know, it, you know, obviously they, I think that, you know, they, like you said, they've said this publicly or they've, you know, mentioned in this in some kind of way. So, yeah, I, I, I would say, I think that's good. That was kind of cool. Yeah, definitely. And, um, yeah, it was good that he was, he came back for, um, because he had some great matches, obviously, Kurt Angle at WrestleMania and the like. And, yeah, great seeing him back here. And um, moving on to the main event, uh, we've got the Rock versus Brock Lesnar. Uh, uh, and- yeah, you you going to skip over the Fink? You gonna, oh, you gonna skip- yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You go skip, skip over the fake, Martin. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, I, I, I missed that part out. Um, yeah, it the, uh, was weird that, weren't it, with the fake? Because yeah, he, he, he uh, what was the name? The I, I think this was like sort of the um, the 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 passing of the torch per se for, from him to Lillian Garcia. Mm-hmm. I think that's just what it was, and they just used Trish Stratus as like a foil to do that like i mean it, it, i i guess it was just a way like just to kill some time before the main event started or you know just, just give the crowd like some little comedy humor before that match that sean and triple h just had like the what what, what do they what do they call it bro the um the bring me down or something yeah, like that yeah something yeah something like yeah, that yeah, yeah it seemed some, like some... He, lo- he wanted to get things off his chest didn't he you know saying about uh, you know <laughs> the same arena where he announced wrestlemania 2 and things like that and all that yeah. with the yeah 
Yeah, because I I think it was just like they were trying to, you know, they, they were moving Lillian Garcia into a spot. And I mm-hmm. uh, and Lillian had said this a couple of times. She was like, Howard was like, you know, he he was all for it. You know what I'm saying? He wasn't like bitter or, you know, wasn't hating. He was, you know, he was helping her out, like teaching her everything that he knew. You know what I'm saying? He was, you know, just gracious and, you know, just kind of moved on. And like, I, I want one of like my, fa- bro, my favorite, favorite Howard Finkel moment, bro, of all time is when he introduced CM Punk at that pay-per-view mm. and he like took that long ass pause and like the commentary team was dying laughing yeah. and they, 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 they were just like he they was like he, he he'll sit out here and let the crowd cheer for him all night if you let him and then he like he kept <laughs> ta- he kept he kept taking these long pauses bro because he was trying to take the the fans was uh cheering his name bro it, it was that that was like one of my favorite Howard Finkel moments of all time but yeah uh you know yeah I, I don't think it was like anything you know crazy it was just you know they were trying to uh pass the torch from the the current ring announcer to the next Oh, um, if we're talking about sort of like you know cringeworthy moments in the time period, he did, didn't he say something like it's a dog eat dog will oh because she's goodness, got the bro. puppet and he's got Jesus. the wiener. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, th- th- this was that that was a that that was a line. Yeah, leave it at that. That was a line. But yeah. your strategy is in this segment. I, I I'm putting this out there right now. One of these days, I, I will. I will interview Trish Stratus. I'm 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 throwing that out there right now. Oh yeah, she's she's absolutely there. fantastic, Trish, and some of the absolute bullshit she has to put up within WWE. <laughs> Bloody hell, it's terrible. <laughs> but anyway, women's women's wrestling legend. But um, yeah, anyway, on to the main event, the Rock v Brock Lesnar, and um, obviously this is around the time period the Rock's in and out of the company at this point. You know, he's on his path to mega stardom. You know, it starts yeah. around this time period and. Brock had just debuted that year on that. I think it was a March 18th episode of Raw and obviously pushed to the moon by the company. We talked about him, them wanting him to go over Austin and he beat Ogan on TV, won King of the Ring and had such a rapid rise to the top. And um, what's interesting about this one, Brock had won the championship um, in a cracking three-way match for Undertaker and Kurt Angle at Vengeance of that year. And I think that's a, a match that doesn't get enough uh, enough play talked about. I've got fond memories of, of watching that one. And um mm-hmm. This is this is around the point that the fans start to turn on the rock, and you know, seeing him as turning his back on them to make films instead. You know, we weren't quite at the point where we had the hilarious uh, version of the rock is heel persona that he had he had later on. Um, you know, singing the songs and things like that that he had sort of like the year the year later. But um, really, really enjoyable match. I mean, I think they had a hard act to follow though, following sort of like Shawn Michaels and uh, Triple H, didn't they? Yeah, they, they they did have a you know a lot to follow, but I think I I think they did follow it well though, bro. I I think I think this was a this was a solid match. It wasn't anything to like blow your socks off, but it was like mm-hmm. a good match. It was entertaining. It was they, I, I think they the the Rock and uh and Brock they had like real decent chemistry in the ring and they played off each other real well as far as like transitions and stuff like that. Especially the finish of the, I I I don't know why like I I've, I've always liked the finish of this match and we could talk about that, but. Like I, one of my favorite ways that, that that this match began was when the um when when the Rock jetted down to the ring. He was like mocking Brock's uh his, mm. his his jump thing, and he jetted to the. I always thought that was cool as hell. Yeah. And like yeah, man, I I I, I enjoyed the match. Like I and like you said, something that I think was kind of uh something big that you just said was like the crowd did start to turn on Rock because they knew he was leaving. Mm. And like you could you could tell you could tell they knew that this was probably gonna be like the last time they saw him for a minute. And uh, honestly, bro, like even like transition that till today i think that could that that could really benefit a lot of wwe's current talents if they just realize that like 
if they coming off a big loss, stop putting these people on TV the next night acting like nothing happened. Mm. Like, bro, like 50-50 booking, yeah. Yes, dude. Like, you, you can literally preserve these people. Like, they, they can stay over if you just give them some time to breathe. Like, you be having these people come out on WrestleMania and it was, and they you have to three-month build and, and the people are invested in it and then they lose. And then, like, you just have them on TV the next night. Like, oh, yeah, whatever. I'm in a tag match. Like, Dude, like if you if you take these people off TV and bring them back like three months later, they will get the exact same reaction that they had post pre WrestleMania, like literally. And and I think that like that's why The Rock was so on, on top of him, you know, having the success he did in Hollywood. I think that's why he's always remained so endured to the fans in a way. And and mm. and, and 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 not saying that people can't because we, we've seen people stay the full time and you know be beloved that like that's not impossible but i think the one thing that really helped the rock was that he wasn't there all the time yeah. so like it was it you it, at some point you had to miss him you know what i'm saying you, you kind of got forced to miss him because he wasn't there and then when he was there it was always something big and he'd come back for stretches and you know he had the heel turn it wasn't always baby face rock you know what i'm saying so i, I just think he you know i, I think him you know, going off and doing movies and finding another career outside of professional wrestling, I really think that did wonders for his professional wrestling career. Oh, yeah, definitely. I think it's proven time and again, you know, people who have uh, breaks and are rotated in and out, you know, loneliness makes a heart grow fonder and they come back mm-hmm. bigger than ever. So, um, but I did want to talk about the finish because obviously you mentioned it then. This was absolutely cracking, you know, with Rock going yes. for the people's elbow yes. in the road. <laughs> Lesnar popping up and absolutely Bro. smashing him with that clothesline. And the fans <laughs> are going mental on this one, you know. You know, chanting, let's go Lesnar and, and chanting Rocky sucks, which you'd not heard in WWE for um, a while at this point. Bro, like, so what, what, what was it again? He, uh, yeah, like you said, he, he, he went for the people's elbow, Lesnar came up. Damn, they took his head off the clothesline, mm-hmm. and then the, the Brock went. He got him up for the F. They, they, you know, they did a couple uh, strike exchanges. He lifted him up for the F five, swung him around. Rock landed on his feet. He went for the the rock bottom, and then they like Brock like when, when he tried to lift him up, Brock went like under his arm, like yeah. took, it, t- took his arm with him, and then like I guess the Rock tried to like swing again, then Brock ducked. Got him up for the F five, and then that was it. I, but I've always liked this finish, and it, it wasn't yeah. like anything like, you know, a hundred miles an hour. Though it was like just smooth transition. Like I counter, I, you counter my finish. I counter your finisher. You try to go in for yours. Now I got you, and then that was it. And the crowd went crazy for Brock. They like you. You could tell. You could tell they wanted Brock. And like this is this is my thing and i i know that you you probably said this a million times martin in, in reference to wwe's product like dude you can literally make anybody a star if you present them as a star mm-hmm. literally literally like and 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 going going looking at AEW, and i'm not slighting orange cassidy at all but i'm saying like look look at how serious orange cassidy is viewed by the fans like even at double or nothing people believe that there was a chance that he could be AEW world champion. Yeah. That's all you, that's all you need, bro. Mm-hmm. You, you, you don't, he, that's legit. All you need is for people to believe that, that, that ain't, ain't nobody saying that he was going to, you know, 100% take it. And, you know, he, he was like, I think people thought that Pac might've had a greater chance of winning the title to Orange Cassidy, but people believe that Orange Cassidy could win the title. And that's all you need. Like with WWE's product, like it's kind of like, I don't, like it's it's very few people that I actually like believed in like that could you know go there and like all you got to do is give people a reason to think highly of these people like if they 
if they if they went and just let Ricochet get seven TV wins in a row, let him go out there and kill it for like twenty minutes mm. each night and make each each match, that would instantly flip the perception that people have of Ricochet instantly because people mm. already know what he can do in the ring, but it's just yeah. the fact that they don't they don't present him to the way people would even want to believe in him. You know what I'm saying? And that, yeah. that's, that's 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 their issue. Yeah, it's all about presentation, isn't it? Yeah, obviously, and especially with, you know, obviously they had been pushing Lesnar to the moon up until this point. Yeah. And I think it was just Rock as well, the fact that he, you know, he had to be such a big star as the Rock to beat the title, take the title off him. And, you know, and I think Rocky did a great job of sort of like, you know, solidifying Lesnar as sort of like the next big thing and sort of, you know, in a, in a way, passing the torch to him in this match. Yeah, no, 100%. Like that, that was like the, basically what I was trying to get around to the last one, like they, Bro, they got brought and they sent them straight up immediately. And you can't mm-hmm. do that with everybody. You know what I'm saying? No, That's, no. You, can't, you can't do that with everybody, but you can make anybody a star in professional wrestling. Anybody. You just have to present people in a way and sometimes in their own unique way to make people care about what they're doing on TV. Mm-hmm. It's like literally that simple. You can make, well, I'm, I'm not going to, well, let, let me say this. You, not everybody a star, but you can make people care about people easily. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You just put the effort into it. And they put the effort in with Brock and they have, you know, turned Brock into something that even today, you know, people are still excited to see whether they want to, you know, admit it or not. You know what I'm saying? Like, I think Brock still to this day, like, even though, I mean, well, that, that now as I've like, you know, as you as, as I've grown to understand things a little bit more, like I, I, I don't, blame Brock for what he's doing like dude if you if, if, if he can ha- continue having his way with WWE you know what I'm saying then look do, do your thing bro like, yeah I'm, I'm, exactly there's as much I'm, money I'm, as you can I'm, out of him because they ain't giving know, it to anybody else are they exactly bro you, you know I'm not about to be one of these people that's like you know oh yeah he's holding the title hostage and all like bro they are literally asking him to do this you know what I'm saying so I'm, I'm like they, they just paying him and they asking him to to take that position and he having his way with it. So I'm not about to sit here and be like, you know, oh man, he holding the title hostage. Like, now, now see, I, I, I ain't like how they did Kofi. You know, I, I ain't like that. I ain't no, a fan no. of that. I, I don't like how they did Kofi. But at the same time, I understand that, you know, that that Brock is there. You know what I'm saying? That's their long-term investment, obviously. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So I, I understand that. I still don't like how they did my boy, but you know, we, 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 we gonna let, we gonna, well, I, I ain't letting it go, but we're going to put that to the wayside for right now, Marty. No, no, I completely <laughs> agree. Yeah, that shouldn't, that shouldn't happen at all. But um, I suppose, where would you rank this uh, among SummerSlams? You know, there have been some uh, pretty good ones always. Um, you know, always seems to be a solid show, doesn't it, SummerSlam? I'd, I'd definitely rank this uh, quite highly among, you know, the many SummerSlams we've seen. Yeah, I, I definitely throw this one up there. Would you say top five for sure? Mm, yeah, yeah, possibly, yeah. I, I I would say one of my probably one of my other favorite ones is the um the SummerSlam 2016 the one that had AJ and Cena on it that was a mm. that was a good one the one that had uh Bow and Rollins you had the uh you had you had that match with uh with 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 Duncan Lesnar that was in Brian yeah. against Cena I can't remember which year that one that was a yeah, that, that, SummerSlam yeah that 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 one was really good like it was yeah, that, and oh yeah, that that 2016 had the one had the one with Charlotte and Sasha Banks. Like that was so, so SummerSlam is normally like the you know, it's a it, it, it's it's always a, a good show. And I, I'm I'm honestly I ain't gonna I'm looking forward to the one this year because I feel like they about to go all out since it's mm. the first uh show post WrestleMania. You know the big first big post show you know yeah. WrestleMania. Like I'm really looking forward to see the card that they kind of put out. I think we probably gonna get they they probably gonna try to bring the 
bring the big dogs out for this one. They they mm-hmm. probably gonna be probably gonna get Roman versus Cena. Yeah, you know, some, some along those lines or something like that. So probably gonna get Bianca versus Sasha too. You know, it's a, I'm 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 actually curious to see what they what they gonna do just because of you know, this is a massive show that they holding in a football stadium. So you would assume that you know they probably gonna try to bring out you know anybody that they can to get the most traction out of it. Oh, definitely. Are you um? I've not. I don't think I've asked you. Are you a sort of stars rating guy, Andrew? Uh, not not really, but I I think it's a fun you know thing to do you know amongst your peers and stuff like to give it a rating. Like I know um Benno and JP they got the Grapple app. Yeah, and Gareth. I, I, yep. Yeah, I I think that's cool. I like doing that. I I I got I meant to um sign up for it. But uh, I, I mean, I like seeing like people post that stuff on the time. I just think it's cool. I, I like seeing them. I like seeing them doing it on the app and stuff. So I'm, I got to download it and uh, add in my stuff. Um, and I was just looking at the uh, Meltzer star ratings for these. Some interesting ones here. Obviously, it gives the, you know, the lion's share to uh, Shawn Michaels and Triple H. That gets mm-hmm. uh, 4.25. And, and then the rest sort of like mean ring around sort of like three to three and a half. So sort of like nothing below Nothing really below a three. So interesting to see that Melsa was like quite high on this one as well. But um as far as any sort of like final thoughts on on this summer slam? Uh no, nah, man, it, it was a good show. It was fun. It was a it was a quick watch. Honestly. Yeah. Oh yeah, drag. I think it's under three hours. I mean, if that's something that WWE definitely that, need to do is make, uh, <laughs> make pay-per-views less than three hours. Yeah. Hey Martin, I'm telling you, that is the key to keeping me as a viewer. Mm. under three hours for the pay-per-views please yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm talking about for any wrestling company please mm. just keep it keep it under three hours if, if, if you if you go over three hours you you need to have some hits on the card you, you yeah. need to but i mean i i just think wrestling is best enjoyed for me in doses you know what i'm saying like these four hour five hour longs i like that like that that that's you know what I'm saying? Like the the only time it's a that chore, I, isn't it? When yeah, it becomes a chore yeah. to watch it, that's when it's it's not doing good. Yeah, that basically, yeah, you, you took the words out of my mouth. There you go, right there. Um, something I did mean to bring up at the top of the show, obviously, um, um, PWT cast scrum was supposed to be joining us on this month's yeah, show, but man. due to uh due to scheduling issues, totally on our side, nothing to do with a pro wrestling tea finest scrum. Uh, but he's <laughs> going to be joining us next month. Um, I'll get a scheduling issue sorted out, and uh, definitely be welcoming Scrum Pong for the uh, for the show next month. Yeah, sadly, couldn't make it work for this one. Indeed, I'm look, looking forward to having uh, the good brother on for sure. Definitely, and um, just for it out of here, Andrew, whatever, what have you been working on? Obviously, we uh, spoke about the Jeff Jarrett interview. What other interviews have you been doing? And other sort of like podcast appearances and that, and um, the uh, post debut of the uh, newbie and wrestling. <laughs> You've been doing the news for that, haven't you? Yeah, I was doing the news with uh with did a new segment with Nate and 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 brother Chris who who has been on Bushby and Thompson before and, and and Nate as well. Um, of course I got the an interview up on my YouTube channel with Famous B who was in Lucha Underground, made his name on the SoCal Independent scene. Um, yeah, I got I got got a couple. Uh, I interviewed Mikey Nichols, man, from uh from New Japan. Pro oh, Wrestling. that was a so good was, one. Yeah, because yeah, he's, that, that he's was, I've been a fan for him for quite a number of years, pre and post of like New Japan and things like that. Yeah, that, 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 that was cool to talk to him, man. I had I, I I had been trying to get that interview for a year. Mm-hmm. I had the I had messaged them twice on Instagram over the year. And then the only way I was able to get in contact with him and found out he was actually excited to talk to me. I had, I had emailed the promotion that he was working at, that he is working at in Australia. And like uh did he 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 they emailed me back 
and then they sent me his email and then me and him got it sorted up and it was a it was a great conversation and me and him had a great off-air conversation as well so yeah it was cool man I was excited I got to you know quote unquote let him sort of get his story out there because he he had kind of been off the radar for a minute because um you know because he had he was in Australia and you know people had also wondered why he had left WWE and it it had got I think uh I think Meltzer Dave Meltzer had uh, confirmed that he left because uh, he wanted to be with his family in Australia and then you know I had asked Mikey and he confirmed that that was the the you know the accurate situation he couldn't just you know not be with his family and his newborn child you know mm. over in America and it, it was just a lot for him so he just you know just just decided to leave NXT and you know he he opened to uh doing a, a reunion with uh with his good friend Shane Thorne who was known as uh Slapjack in <laughs> WWE so yeah man I got got some interviews on the channel and uh yeah my written stuff is is up on post wrestling yeah definitely go and check out Andrew's interviews on his YouTube channel yeah certainly some very sort of like interesting and diverse array of guests not people who are doing constantly the you know tours of podcasts and interview sites so definitely go and check that one out and um me and Ben will be back with the British Wrestling Experience second Thursday of July. And then I've got a bit of a special announcement to make. I'll be doing a, a live stream on the 17th yeah. of July from, uh, yeah. from 12 p.m. Yeah. till 12 a.m. UK time. It's going to be raising money for the uh, Children's Heart Surgery Fund here in the UK. They're a, a brilliant charity that does a lot for families here in the UK. And I'm going to be having some very special guests on the grapple crew way and john nate milton the main event himself andrew thompson and tons tons <laughs> more so uh please be sure to tune into that and donate to a great great charity i'll be uh posting a lot more stuff about that um in the lead up to uh so that and just shout out to uh dickie bird who's done some great work obviously for the yeah. up next guys and he produced a poster for the charity show guys an absolute graphics with us definitely hit him up for uh any graphic stuff that uh, you want. And now I know he put a list out there of the people he wants to work with. So yeah, definitely, uh, definitely go check bro, out his stuff. Bro, that is a great cause that you're doing. Like I'm definitely going to be pushing that out over the next couple of weeks. Like I put it up on my Instagram story recently. Like, oh yeah, that, that, that that's like a really great cause that you're doing it for. I can't wait to be a part of that. I can't wait to check out the whole stream. Like you got a, a great lineup. Like you mentioned, you got John and Way, you know, the grapple gang over there. Uh, who 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 cheated to beat us in the um in the in the up next in the up next game? Oh yeah, uh, you, you got you got scrump of course, like you mentioned. Uh, Jordan Goodman, who does the podcast with Way on, on post. Um, you got you got uh, I think what was uh um Will from uh, uh PW Torch. Like you you got like a lot of a lot of good guests, man, lined up for this, and I I can't wait to uh, see it and be a part of it. Thanks, obviously, really appreciate the support, obviously from you and. And everybody else and uh, of course um all roads lead to postwrestling.com some um interesting shows up this week um where was it um post wrestling talks with uh john and way just yeah. talking uh, non-wrestling stuff you know so if you're a fan of sort of like the preamble they have on re um rewind the roar and rewind smackdown and things like that you know definitely a show i really enjoyed that one just hearing john and way just talk about their lives and you know non-wrestling stuff for a change but it was quite interesting yeah, for sure. Like, go, go go support the site, man. Go support John and Way. Go support everybody with Pose, man. It's a, we, 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 we are, I don't even know how to describe it. I just like being a part of the site, man, getting to meet all you, uh, all you good people. This is, this, this has been definitely, definitely very fun. This whole stretch, I, I think it's, but I'm coming up on two years since I joined Post. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, this has been, this has been great. This has been, I'm, I had the chance to meet a lot of good people here, man. So, yeah, for sure. Go support, go support everybody on the site, man, and everything that everybody got going on. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely. A fantastic crew 
on post wrestling. And um, yeah, so like I said, uh, me and Ben will be back, and then me and Ben Andrew will be back sort of like towards the end of July, last sort of like yeah. second Thursday of uh, July. So uh, we'll catch you then. Thanks for listening. <laughs>